You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast with Pastor Brent Gerard. In Focus Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Evans, Georgia, with a mission to love God, love people, and reach the world. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you are listening, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at InFocus Church. We hope this message encourages you and leaves you feeling challenged to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever been the last person to know something that was really important? Or maybe it wasn't just you were the last person to know something important in general, but you were the last person to know something really important that actually affected or could have been life-altering for you personally, and you were the last to know. Or maybe you've uttered these words before because, you know, in our families, in our friend groups, we don't like being the last person to know anything. Maybe you've said this, you don't think you could have told me that a little bit sooner? Maybe it's just me, but I can think of all kinds of scenarios in my life where I was like, man, I sure would have liked to have known that an hour ago, a week ago, a month ago, or the meme, I was this many years old when I found out this. You know, I sure could have used that information a little while ago, like cleaning up the house. You know, we, we have uh, holidays approaching and maybe you've got people visiting or family and say, you know what, the family's coming to visit, so we're going to clean up the house and, and you start doing that and you begin to go into places that you don't normally go into your house to get them clean, the guest bathroom and into the corners of the guest bathroom that haven't seen anything clean in maybe 10 years, but you're going to get it clean. You even go to the store, maybe Costco or Sam's and buy extra food for everybody. Come to find out your spouse later on says, oh, I meant to tell you, uh, there the family decided not to come this year. You think you could have told me that a little bit sooner before I cleaned the grime out of the corner of the bathroom that nobody ever wants to go into? While all of that could be annoying and maybe you feel like you're always the last to know important information, I doubt any of it compares to what we're going to look at in the story of Joseph and what he went through after he found out the girl that he was betrothed to be married to was pregnant. Let's start with the Christmas narrative in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, and let's read as we begin to see in the life of Joseph how he responded to the things that were going on around him. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, in the entirety of the Christmas story account in Luke and Matthew, Mary has already been told by an angel what is about to happen to her and how she became pregnant. But have you ever wondered why the angel didn't come and tell Joseph too? Like in the beginning, simultaneously as Mary's finding this out, doesn't it kind of strike you as like, man, wouldn't this be good information to let Joseph know as well? Why didn't he get that simultaneous angelic visitation? We're going to go with this message and stick to what happened the way that it happened because scripture tells us Joseph was a moral man. He had an allegiance to God. He probably did what any of us would do in this situation. And if my initial thought is panicked, but he probably did what any God-fearing Christian would do when posed with a situation that is just mind-boggling. 
I'm sure he spent the rest of the day crying out to his God to show him what to do with the fact that his soon-to-be wife said she was pregnant with the Son of God. Trees crying out to God because we're not talking about just a, a normal individual. We're talking about someone who worshiped God, who believed in God, who trusted God. The scripture says that he was a righteous man. So today we're beginning our Christmas series called Worship in the Waiting. And we're looking at some of the main protagonists in the Christian narrative and how they responded to all the things that were going on around them with worship. And how worship surrounded all of this awaiting, or as we know, the advent, which means the arrival of the Messiah. All that everyone had been waiting for and the worship that surrounded this moment. And we're hopefully going to draw from this some principles of knowing how we continue in the waiting. We continue to worship in the waiting for what? The advent of Christ's return. That's what the advent celebrates. The coming of the Messiah and then the soon returning king who is coming back again. As we go through this series, I want you to consider Romans chapter 1 or chapter 12, verse 1, as kind of the umbrella scripture for this series as we talk about worship in the waiting. Because a lot of times we equate worship with just singing songs. That's a part of it. But as we've already said, it's also giving in the entirety of our lives. And that's what Romans 12, 1 tells us. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Can I tell you first and foremost this morning, and what you're going to see as we go through the life of Joseph as well, when it comes to worship, worship is a decision. Worship is a decision that you are going to be faced with the entirety of your life. You have to decide in your heart to worship God in the waiting by making decisions that honor him and glorify his name regardless of how much turmoil may be surrounding your life. Here's what I know. Worship is not just the raising of hands while we sing to God. It is the laying down of our lives while we walk with God. We can, particularly in a very musical culture, and particularly where there's a, a lot of celebrity that surrounds even the worship music culture of the church, we can get caught up in having a moment of worship unto God, or we would call it worship to God because we're singing and enjoying the music. And a matter of fact, we've got a posture of surrender with our hands lifted up in those songs, but then we walk out those doors and we don't have a posture of surrender in our hearts. That's not true worship. Robert said a moment ago, if we don't give with a proper heart unto God, then it's just charity. And if we don't worship with a proper heart to God that responds to him outside of the songs that we sing, then we're just singing songs. Good ones, but our hearts are not changed. Now, I want you to understand, this is exactly what Joseph did. He didn't just worship with postures of his hands, although I'm sure that he did, but he also worshiped with the decisions of his life because worship is a decision. Verse 19, and this is way before Joseph gets an angelic visitation. I want you to see that he's attempting to make decisions that still honor God. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Here's his first decision. He chose to treat Mary with love. 
Why? Because the scripture says he was a righteous man. Or one translation we just read a moment ago said he was faithful to the law. This means that he had a strong relationship with God. He was a believer and he was consequently having his character formed and shaped and becoming like God. This means that he was a worshiper of God. This wasn't new to him to worship God and to trust God. This means Joseph would have made a decision that would go against his fleshly response that could have been anger and retribution. But instead, he chose the more righteous way. I believe Joseph wanted to please God because he was a righteous man. So his godly character and his trust in God enabled him to respond to the best of his ability in love instead of anger, and he tried to protect Mary and her reputation. He had every right, I want you to understand, he had every right to divorce her publicly, but instead, even before the angel of the Lord appeared to him, he was trying to protect her, so his solution was to divorce her secretly. That was his solution. Joseph had to come and assess what Mary told him, which were unbelievable claims, mind you. I am impregnated by the Holy Spirit with the Son of God. Joseph had to assess that, and I believe he did so with integrity and with a heart that trusted his God, and he made the best decision that he could, one he believed that was both just and merciful, but it still turned out to be the wrong one because God was doing far more abundantly than Joseph could even imagine, like Ephesians tells us in chapter 3, verse 20, that God does those things that go beyond what we could even imagine that he's doing. But here's what I see. Sometimes we make good decisions. They're even right decisions. They're moral decisions. He was doing what was just and right, but God had something better. Did you know that you can make good decisions in your life and God still has something better? And a worshiper has enough discernment because their heart and their mind is in tune with God to be able to hear that, yes, that is good, but God has something better and worship him and trust him and follow him to wherever he leads. A worshiper who is sensitive to the spirit of God can admit that our good decisions might not be God's best decision and submit our good decisions to God. See, he gently corrected Joseph and he gave Joseph the guidance that he needed to do what God was calling him to now do. And I can only imagine how Joseph must have felt trying to go to sleep that night. Have you ever tried to go to sleep after you've agonized over something all day and you've cried out to God and you've asked for some answers and you really don't know what the best answer is so you come up with what you think is the best answer and you're, you're just dealing with the grief and the anxiety of all of that? I'm sure he's exhausted. And then the angel of the Lord appears to him and explains to him something that is beyond comprehension, the incarnation. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 through 25 says this. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We sang that this morning. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. 
You know what I would have wanted to say if I was Joseph? You don't think you could have told me that a little bit sooner? Like, how come I've been going through this all day long, agonizing, just trying to figure out what I'm about to do with something that is unbelievable. I would have really liked for the angel of the Lord to show up a little sooner and tell me this. But what we see here is that after the angel appeared to Joseph and explained the miracle that was taking place and was going to continue to take place, Joseph was willing to be corrected about his course of action, as noble as it may have been, and instead he made a decision to obey God's plan for he and Mary's life, and Scripture says that he took Mary home as his wife. This is the heart of worship right here. To be able to be corrected by God, even when the decision that we're making seems like a good one, but God has a better one. You know, one of the things that I have learned over my years of life and then however many years I've now been in ministry is that I'm wrong a lot. And it's okay to admit that. It is the height of pride to say that I've had it all figured out since the day of my birth and everything that I've learned has just been something that oh, added to my great intelligence and knowledge of God. There's so many things that God has shown me that I thought this was good and this was to the best of my ability and yet God is saying, no, there's something better. You kind of missed it on this. Okay, God, I submit what I think is noble and good and, and I submit that to what you know is best. To obey God when things are really tough and really confusing is difficult. And I mean, we've all been in that place before where we knew God had shown us something. We know what God's word says, but we know it's going to be super hard if we do it, so we disobey. And don't act like you haven't. We've all done it. God, yeah, I know, and I know that's probably right. I sense really deep down inside that's the right thing to do, but that's going to be so hard. So can I just do this good thing over here? Joseph said, I will do the harder thing because it's the God thing, and a worshiper chooses the God thing over the good thing. To choose to obey God when all the circumstances seem crazy, to trust God in the middle of the miracle, not after the miracle is done, but in the middle of it, to trust him there and to worship him there while he's still working things out, and you don't see the end just yet, that is our spiritual act of worship. Are a little bit too quiet in here this morning. I love the expectancy that we hear and that we see here as well. Because it says he woke and obeyed. Submitting our lives to the word of the Lord is not really the time to begin to ask God for an extension. Like you do for that exam. Oh, you know, I had a really tough week. Can I get a few extra days? Sure. Oh, I mean, it was a really rough Sunday night. Can I come in about six hours late for work tomorrow? Sure. What kind of boss are you? (laughs) God, I know this is what you're leading me to do. I know this is what you're asking me to do. But it seems so difficult and so hard. Could I just have a, a few weeks to mull it over, God? Joseph awoke and obeyed. There's some expediency to a worshiper's life when they know God is leading them in the direction that he's leading them. But what happens When your decisions to obey God and to worship him, to make that decision to obey him and worship him, what happens when it leads to even more trouble, it seems? Ever been there? Like, wait a minute, God, I felt like you told me to do this. I felt like you led me here. I felt like you asked me to do this. And now it seems like things are worse. 
Luke chapter 2, verse 5 through 7. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, the odd order of this verse is like, they, oh, she had a child. Oh, and by the way, they were in a guest room. They didn't have a guest room, so they were in a stable. It's like there's this odd order that causes us, I think, to overlook the troubling story that's just taken place that anybody with a pregnant wife would understand is ridiculous. Like, they just traveled miles at the worst time to be traveling for a pregnant person on a donkey, on foot, and you get to this place that you know God led you to go. And there's no place for your wife to give birth except a stable. I I thought you told me to marry her, God. Like, this is your son that's about to be birthed, and it's going to go down in a stable? Can you imagine, just think about this, any husband in here, can you imagine the embarrassment? Hey, baby, this is the best we got. The shame. Like we've created this idyllic picture of, of, with our nativity scenes. And don't anybody go home and throw your nativity scenes away. That's not what I'm saying. I love them. We got them all over our house. But it's like, oh, this is so beautiful and peaceful and serene. Quiet and calm and normal. It's not normal. They ended up in a stable out of desperation. There was nowhere else to go. I know how frantic I was when we had our first child, and I can't imagine taking a few detours on my way down to MCG or University or St. Joseph or wherever we had our child, and then saying, well, let's just stop off at the local barn. I feel like that's what God's saying to do. My wife would have told me no. The best Joseph could do for Mary and the Messiah was a stable full of real and ritual uncleanness. This was not a sterile environment for sure. And maybe God had some mysterious purpose in this humiliation, Joseph must have thought. We now know that he did. The great, grand humiliation, the grand condescension of God coming to earth as a baby. But Joseph didn't know all of the details at that point. He was desperate, so he ended up in a stable. But how many of you know that some of the most powerful times of worship in your life comes in the places of your greatest desperation in your life? I am desperate for you, God, and I got nowhere else to go, but I, go, I know this. I'm going to worship you in the middle of this stable as we're giving birth to our first child. There are times when seeking and following God faithfully, you're going to find yourselves in a desperate moment, forced in a place that you didn't choose to go and didn't want to go, and still it's at that point that you realize it's not about you, but it's about the King of glory that you begin to worship. You see, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? This isn't about your exercise regimen. This isn't about the food that you eat. This is about the worship that you give to God. The temple is the place of worship. Do you not know that your body is the place of worship of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you've received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Worship God with your 
life. See, our lives and our circumstances are about Jesus Christ. The Father has purposes for us and even our hardships that extend far beyond us. And often, what appears like misfortunes in the moment will prove to be means of God's great mercy for us. It's in your place of desperation that you can still worship God. Why? Because you remember that worship is first and foremost a decision. What is it a decision to do? It's a decision to worship God in the desperation of life. Can I encourage you, church? I don't care what situation that you might be in today, how desperate it is. God is still worthy of your worship in the desperation of your life. As a matter of fact, it's the only thing that will help you get out of that desperation in your life is to continue to fix your eyes on the author and the perfecter of your faith, the king of glory that we sang about this morning, and worship him in the middle of the mess. See, the father is at work And it may be that what you need most is not less turmoil, but more trust in the God that is with you. It could be that your desperation and you begin to worship God leads to a greater devotion to the one who sees you exactly where you are, who hasn't lost you and has you in his hands still. See, worship is a decision to be obedient. Obedience calls us to worship in the desperate places of our lives and then watch what our sovereign God will do. Not only did Joseph have to deal with desperate situations, but every time Joseph seemed to be settling down, begin to be making a home, God would tell him to move. Pretty sure we've all dealt with traveling and hitting a detour like that pops up on your Google Maps or your Waze and says, oh, there's a detour. And you're like, man, I had a time to beat there and now I'm never going to beat that time because I've got to go on this detour because there's some kind of wreck or this thing or that thing going on. And every time Joseph would begin to settle down, he'd pop up a detour. That, that's not the way I was going, God. But what about the times that the detours that God brings into our lives actually save time or save our lives? And we don't see it. See, Joseph's story didn't end in Bethlehem, although I'm sure he would have been fine if it did. They were trying to settle down. They're trying to raise their son. And I'm sure they're trying to figure out how we're going to raise the son of God. However, God had another plan for their life, a detour, if you will. And here's what we see in Joseph's response. What we've seen already, worship is a decision. Worship is a decision to worship in the middle of the desperate things of life. And worship is also something we do in the detours of life. We're going to have to worship in the detours. You're going to have some detours in this life. Amen? Okay, a few of you had. I'd love to know how the rest of you are avoiding them. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. I don't know if he said it like that. That's how I would have said it. Get up. That's how I say it to my kids. Get up. Take the child and his mother. Let's go back. Let's say it, let's say it a better way. Joseph in a dream. Get up. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. Let's just assume Joseph and Mary and Jesus are settled down a bit and here comes the angel of the Lord again. Get up, you gotta go. Herod's trying to kill the baby. You gotta move to Egypt. Egypt? 
Egypt? Do you know how old we got to I mean, at this point, let's, let's don't remove these people from being human and having human emotions. If I'm Joseph, I'm a bit irritated at this point. I, I, I'm tired of moving. I'm tired of doing this. And now, just about the time we feel like everything's going to fall together and we're going to get our life together, you're going to tell me to move to Egypt? And, and on top of that, he's afraid because the king is searching for them and wants to kill his child. The Egyptian border was another probably 100-mile foot journey for his wife and child, who was really young, mostly through desert. Not a fun trip, but because he was a righteous man who'd been worshiping God, made the decision obediently to do so, worshiping him in the desperation of life, he was able to do so again and trust God in a major detour in life and worship him along the way. Maybe he remembered that if God could use Augustus to get them to Bethlehem that he could use Herod to move them to Egypt and he had a plan far beyond what Joseph understood see our sovereign God who moves the hearts of people and nations has ways and reasons we do not know so Joseph snuck his family out of town in the cover of night and moved to Egypt but then again another detour after Herod died an angel of the Lord appeared to dream in Joseph or appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother, go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But wait, there's more. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in a place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. You know what? If I'm, at Joseph, if I'm Joseph at this point, I don't want to go to sleep. Like every time, like there's a dream, it's time to go. I'm like, Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm not sleeping. Because every time I go to sleep, something happens and you tell us to move. After a few months, another dream, another detour. Herod had died and now Joseph could take the child back to Israel. He's probably thinking, great, let's go back to Bethlehem. But then he learns that Herod's son, Archelaus, was now ruling over Judea. And he was just as evil as his father was. So if he got wind of the Messiah in Bethlehem, he was going to probably have another assassination attempt on the life of the child. So one more angelic dream visit and it's back to Nazareth. And who knew how long that would last? This was the ancient version of Google Maps telling you there's a faster way on your route. Because I was telling the first service, I'll tell you, there's two types of people in this world. People that go the route that Google tells them, and people that think they have a better way. People that go the route that Google tells them, people say, nope, this is the way I've been for 50 years. This is the way I'm going to continue to go. This is the way to go. My wife is the one that goes the way that we've been going for 50 years. I go the way that Google tells us. There's two people in this world. And when those same two people are in the same car, it's not fun. Because <laughs> in my heart of hearts, I want to go where Google tells me to go. But I also know that when I do, I'm going to hear something about going the way that Google's telling me to go when I've already been this way a million times. Why would you go that way? Because Google's telling me to go that way. Here's where I stop with Google most of the time, when it leads me down a dirt road. But this past Thanksgiving... I chose to take the dirt road too. And it's at that point in my heart, I'm like, I'm about to hear about this. Not just from my wife, but everybody in the car. Why are we going down a dirt road? Because dad's following Google. <laughs> now we got to where we were going. But the point being is it was someplace in some way that I have never been. And I've driven this a million times and I've never gone down that dirt road. But this time I did. Why? 
I don't know. Google told me to. Here's a modern version where Mary's like, Joseph, what are we doing? We've been this way a million times. I know, but God said to go this way. I know, but God said to do this. I know, but God said to go here. And it's craziness. It's never been this way. But here's what a worshiper does. A worshiper lets go of his plans to follow God's plans, even when my plans have been something safe and right and good for many years. But now there's a new thing that God's doing that I don't understand, might be a little bumpy, might be a little confusing. I'm not sure where it leads, but I still worship and trust God and follow him. This is what Joseph did. Worshiping God of the detours of life is giving God glory even when I don't know exactly where I'm going or how long I'll be there. Listen, even when I take those routes that I don't know, there is that tinge of fear like, well, what if this is wrong? Because I don't know where I am now. Well, God, what if this doesn't work out? That's never a question you have to ask God. One thing Joseph must have learned very quickly after God called him to be the earthly father of Jesus was that his own plans were not a thing to be grasped and held on to tightly. Whatever future he had originally planned for he and Mary and their children disappeared at the guidance of the one who held their future in his hands. Can I tell you that whatever plans you have for your life, they disappear when you surrender your life to the one who holds your future in your hands. So the question that you can ask is, are you willing to let your good plans go to follow the detours that God's going to take you on? Worshippers will. And worshipers do. And worshipers will continue to worship along the way and as joseph obeyed and worshiped god with his whole life by faith he repeatedly found things amazing and beautiful no man, i loved that to be the end of the story man i worship god i chose i chose the, the the hard way i went the unforeseen way the unknown way i walked by faith and at the end of it it was amazing no by faith he repeatedly found it taking confusing difficult and troubling turns even as he worshiped and followed God. A Roman census, a grueling trip during the hardest part of pregnancy, a birth in a barn, no, study in, no steady income, an assassination attempt, two desert crossings on foot with an infant and a toddler, living in a foreign country, waiting on God for last minute guidance and provision. The path was difficult. The path was dangerous, expensive, time-consuming, and interrupted any personal plans that he might have had. And yet, the sovereign God was at work fulfilling his purpose and his plans in the life of Joseph, in the life of Mary, and everybody else, including us, who are blessed because of their worship and obedience to God. And like Joseph, for you and I, if we're going to be righteous worshipers of God, the unplanned, inefficient detours of our lives can be planned by God. God's ways are not our ways. And we say that and we might quote that from Isaiah, but I don't know if we often believe that. God, I want your ways to kind of line up more with mine. It might make more sense. Because God's ways are frequently bewildering to us, but they're always better for us. Because God is orchestrating far more than we can see or know or even expect in every detour in our life. The ones that he leads us down. So when you find yourself suddenly moving in a direction you had not planned. 
As you're worshiping and following God, you find yourself moving in a direction that you had not planned. I want you to take a moment and I want you to decide to worship the one who's always in control of your life. Then I want you to worship him even in your most desperate moments. When you're in a, in a situation that you never dreamt that you'd be in, that you would continue to worship the God who is with you in the middle of your desperation. And I want you to worship him even when you come upon those unforeseen or confusing detours in life. And I want you to know this, that we can all be assured that the sovereign God that you worship has something greater and better and far more than you could ever imagine with your mind. Not just for you, but for those around you that he wants to bless through your life. This is what worshipers do. Worshipers of the King of Glory. Now, interestingly enough, as we sang that song that led into this message, King of Glory is really a title that we see in the, the book of Psalm. I think it's Psalm 24. And it's indicative of the fact that God is the most all powerful, omniscient God. That if he has all the power, he's the creator of all, he's in control of all, then he is worthy of the worship from those that he has created. That's what we're singing about when we call him the king of glory. Worshippers worship because we make a decision to do so even when we don't feel like it. Here's the amazing thing about worshiping God when you don't feel like it. You'll soon find that some emotions and feelings begin to align with God's purpose for your life, more so than choosing not to worship Him. Well, I don't really feel like it. Well, that's probably the best time to worship God wholeheartedly. And then you worship God in the desperate moments of your life. I'm sure there's plenty of you that are in some desperate situations even now. Best way to to know and to, to be assured of what God is doing in your life is to continue to worship him in those moments. And then even in the detours and going to the places that you never thought you'd go or don't even understand why you're going, that God is leading you on, you continue to worship him and trust him that he has a plan that is far bigger and greater than you can even imagine for his glory and for your good. That's the kind of worshipers that we want to be. That's the kind of worshiper that Joseph was. And I hope and pray that that's what God will see in us, church. Worshippers that make that decision, no matter how desperate, no matter what the detour looks like, to worship the King of glory. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask a question this morning. Are you willing to make a decision to worship God? Yeah, even just now, we're about to sing a song before we walk out of here, and and you've got a decision. It seems like a simple one. Am I going to open my mouth and am I going to sing to God because he's worthy of praise? Am I going to lift my hands and surrender because he's worthy of that, because he is the king of glory? Or am I just going to stand here and watch like a spectator at a football game? What am I going to do? I'm going to make a decision to worship the king of glory. Some of you are in some very desperate situations right now. And I want to encourage you that the most safe place, the most secure place, is in the presence of God. So although there may not be an answer right now, you can be in the presence of the one who has every answer that you need. And more importantly, has all the strength and all the grace that you need to walk through whatever you're going through. And maybe you're on a detour that you felt like God has led you down, a place that he's directed you and that he's confirmed and affirmed through his word and people that love Jesus who are in your life and you're still walking down that thing but it feels like you're on a bumpy dirt road to nowhere. Can I ask you and invite you to worship God today in the middle of that detour as God begins to take you to a place 
that you don't even know yet that far exceeds what you even can imagine that he could do in and through your life. God wants to do that through those whose hearts belong to him. And we show that our hearts belong to him by surrendering to him and making a decision to worship him because he's worthy of it. Thank you for listening to the In Focus Church podcast with Pastor Brent Gerard. In Focus Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Evans, Georgia, with a mission to love God, love people, and reach the world. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you are listening, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at InFocusChurch. Church.